Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of Buckingstock News Podcast, powered by Two Bulls. Uh, start this one off. Uh, we've got Court Richard with Lone Star Buck and Bull Genetics with us. Um, we, we've already kind of talked about his sale uh, in, in July, partnered with Cheyenne Frontier Days in the Western Sports Foundation. Um, they've got something really cool going on, and, and we kind of had an overview uh you know, 30 days or so ago about what was going to happen. And today we kind of wanted to talk a little more in depth about these calves and what, what exactly is going to be offered in this sale. Court, uh, you said you, you started bucking through these calves and, and you're pretty excited. I mean, what, what, what are we look? what can we be looking for? Yeah, Kyle, we bucked these calves about three times in the last six weeks. And, and, uh, we're very, very excited about what, what, you know the talent that they've shown, and and we've got probably five or six high tensile calves that really show some pretty good promise, and and a couple pit boss calves, and uh, heck, there's a full brother to Inferno in there that shows like he's really got some try. Uh, we're just excited. We think we think the talent's there. It's just up to us to up to us to get them there and and get them to their potential. So when you say a full brother to Inferno. Yes, sir. Hey, that's that's pretty fancy. Uh, and everyone knows Inferno may be one of the winningest fraternity bulls there ever was. Um, when, you know, when we're talking about breeding and, and stuff, you, you guys have raised a, a lot of really good bulls um, with the pit boss stuff. And is there anything kind of resurfacing uh, genetic-wise that, that's always worked and, and, and you see it with these calves as well that, kind of rising to the top well the pit boss daughters always do a good job for us uh you know they add a little bit of size to them and and we got some high tensile calves out of some pit boss daughters that that you know give that high tensile a little bit of size but they still got that intensity and and we we really like that that mating and we have that a couple different times and heck we got some High tensile out of some Brutus type cows, something that just adds a little more mm-hmm. size and, and and snap to those high tensiles, which you know they're pretty much automatic turning back from day one. Uh, and and the knock you hear on high tensiles is size, and we think we've kind of um, we don't think that's an issue at all based off of the cows that we were able to breed them to. Been able to accommodate for that. Uh, if if you were to say. You know, in a perfect world, how many trips would you would you like to have on these bullets so we can we're going to be able to follow along and, and we're going to talk to you again uh, between now and your sale day, July twenty second. Um, but how how many trips do you think you're going to want to have on these bullets that be able to offer the best product that you can? We feel like and and we kind of have it mapped out to where maybe six or seven trips, five to seven, just depending on you know each individual bull. Uh, not not too many, but enough to be able to see, you know, what their potential is, and and you know the silver lining in them, and and you know maybe about the time the sale comes is when when they're starting to really get in a zone and figure it out to get ready to to compete in the fall and go to the you know yearling finals, those yearling events that start you know September October. Uh, th- that's what our goal is. Heck yeah! Well, it sounds like uh, you know, just as we keep keep talking to you about your sale, that uh, that the calves are really showing some promise, and and the people should really be getting excited, looking forward to this, and 
and maybe the coolest part, uh, you guys teaming up with Western Sports Foundation to the the proceeds to, to benefit that organization, um, the nonprofit organization at that. Um, anything else uh, you'd like to mention real quick? No, Kyle, we're just excited, and I guess we'll know a little bit more next month. Yeah, yeah, everyone kind of kind of follow along on, on Buckingstock News, uh, Facebook, as well as Lone Star Bucking Bull Genetics. Um, as, as, I mean, there will be info released, you know, as, as we get going here. Um, but, Court, we thank you for, for joining us uh, for this commercial, and, and uh, now we're going to kick off the podcast. So we're going to start it off kind of like we have the last few uh, with our event calendar presented by Two Bulls Fortified with SQM Minerals. Uh, quite a bit coming up here, I mean, just in the next week and a half. Wanta, uh, I don't exactly know how to say that, Colorado, Buckers Unlimited. The books are open now through the weekend, um, all classes, yearling, fraternity, women's, derby, and classic. Uh, you can pay pay up in your ABBI points as well for that. Uh, the Texas Fraternity League, Granbury, Texas, May 4th. The books are open now through the 29th. Um, Bo Mills is hosting that event. Uh, he, he's got a pretty nice facility that just kind of he put the finishing touches on, bleachers all the way around. I, I think that's going to be a really fun event. Uh, the Kong Geezers, they're having an open fraternity May 4th in Attica, Kansas. Um their books are open now as well. Uh, you can get a hold of Cooper for, for entries. Uh, since uh, American Heritage, they, they've started a South um, in Decatur. Uh, that event's May 11th. The books uh, opened yesterday for that. They should be open a week or so. Uh, Fort Scott, open fraternity and derby. Fort Scott, Kansas, that is. Um, it's not until May, but they've kind of started taking some, some early entries. Um, as well as the Backyard Buckers in Lexington, North Carolina, May 11th. Their books are open, <clears throat> and I, I got to attend one of their events in King, North Carolina, and uh, they, they do a really good job and uh, do something a little bit different. Uh, so they, they don't have a, a, a set group of judges. The contractors judge every bull but your own, and then yep. they, they mark them all across the board. I remember you telling me about this. That sounds awesome. I don't I don't know if it if it would or I don't know how well it works but I'm all about uh progressive thinking and that's that's pretty creative. I like that. The the one the one that I went to um <clears throat> the the right bull won. I mean and if he didn't it was kind of plain and day that bull was the the best that day. Um but I think it, it's going to depend on who who's there, you know what I mean? And and not talking down to anybody but some new people may not exactly know what they're looking for, but I guess when you have 20, 20 other guys, yeah, yeah, 20 other guys marking them like it'll it'll work out. The cream will always rise to the top. Yeah. But well, this, how how ahead. did it work with the uh with everybody else having to sit and pay attention? Like Uh actually I was I was really surprised um but since that's kind of a normal deal for them, uh it wasn't it wasn't any different. It's way different than a normal fraternity. Like nobody's allowed on the buck and shoes besides the guy flanking and the guy hanging the dummy. So there's no there's nobody on the back of the box. Um, every contractor gets a clipboard and a judge's sheet pretty much, and they sit out front and they mark them. And, and I mean, that, like I said, that's how they do them all. So it was routine. Them guys sat there, washed them all, marked them, turned them in, and, and that's how it was, you know. Uh, and, and I was really surprised because I could see, you know, out here everyone is talking and hanging out and back to the buck and shoots, watching your buddy flank his bull and watching him go and, 
you know, hanging out and talking. And then I think it'd be something new for guys to get used to, to have to sit there and focus and be serious while you're not bucking your own bull, you know? Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Well, uh, kind of moving on this, this episode of the podcast <clears throat> is, uh, kind of funny. Uh, our, our guest, he was supposed to have been episode one. Uh, he, he's got some really cool stories. His family's been in the bull deal for a long time and, as time goes on, uh, we had some technical difficulties, and he's now episode 18. Jerry Hargis, how are you? I'm very good. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you, and Thor. Appreciate you finally having me on. Hey, it's about. T- I'm glad you finally made some time for us, man. I know, I know your schedule's it, man. been swamped. It's terrible, man. Go from episode one. I was kind of feeling good about myself, and I just keep getting knocked down the list. It's okay, though. <laughs> and then, as we were saying before we kind of started, Jerry texted me one, one, hey man, can can we get the podcast? Like, yeah, I'll give it a couple of days before I respond. <laughs> yeah, try about ten, twenty days and just never responded. <laughs> oh shoot! Hey, since y'all brought that up, that you're, it reminded me of a story. You're talking about the people in the stands judging. Way back before the American Heritage was ever called American Heritage, and it was the Rock and Pea Futurity when Dylan put it on in Ardmore. Now, this is this has been a long time ago. We went to that, and of course, there's a lot more bulls there. But he tried that to where every contractor assigned a judge. And since you know me and Dad had bulls in there, but just me and him went, so I judged, and he flanked all the bulls. And there was so many people there judging. It was got a little out of hand that day. There, I remember there's a lady in front of me that was while the bulls were bucking. I I couldn't help but notice she's eating a chili cheese hot dog the whole time. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world is she judging bulls eating a chili cheese hot dog? But Well, maybe she's better than you. <laughs> she probably was. <laughs> but at the end of it, Dylan, he kind of had to uh, go back and sort a few bulls to where, because I remember Dad had a really good one of seventh. He ended up bumping him to fourth and kind of moved some bulls around. So at, th- at that time, with that many, I think on a smaller maturity, it'd probably work, but like the heritage where you've got so many bulls and probably people ended up just grabbing whoever to to be a judge. But anyways, I'm like you. I'm all about progressive thinking and trying something new. So I hope it works good for them. Well, it it seemed to, like like I said, being there and watching it and kind of looking at the sheets now, I mean, there were some guys that, that marked a winning bull uh, 20 and three quarters and, and, and some guys marked him a 22 and a half, which is probably closer to what he was. But, with 20 guys judging, I guess it averages itself out. But Right. That so, particular day back then, you had one full sheet of notebook paper for each bull entered, and you had zero through 100. And he gave a little speech before, and he, you know, kind of said, hey, just mark them wherever you feel. So there was bulls being marked. I mean, you could only imagine anywhere from zero to 100. It was, it was very interesting, to say the least. Huh. That's that's interesting you say that because uh, I kind of write some articles uh, for the ABBI Bulletin, and, and they had me do an article on the heritage and the history, and I talked to Dylan about it himself and kind of got the backstory of what how it was created and when it became the American heritage and such. And, uh, but he never said anything like that. I think that was <laughs> a cool, cool piece of info to know, I mean, that he did try that. Freaking he left that part out, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He probably tried to block that from his memory, I guess. 
But it's it, you know things like that are extremely interesting. I mean, Dylan's a guy that's man, he he's really a thinker and he's got such an intelligent mind. You know, I love listening to him anytime. But you know, he was way ahead of his time thinking about things like that and and really helped progress our industry. So when we we rock along and we're talking about you know I I think the heritage I think Dylan told me it was like oh three or oh four maybe when he first started it or I guess it would have been like you said not the heritage but as it is known to us now. Um, right. After that, I mean, we'll, you know, we got five judges now. Some places we got six. Some places we got four. I mean, what? I mean, was there one judge? You know, the second year or was there ten or how? What was that? You know, offhand, I really don't remember. Jimmy Morris could tell you a lot more. He judged uh, those early events there, and I, I'm after that 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 year that he tried that. You know, he transitioned to more judges. I'm sure there was more. I just can't remember offhand. I'm with you. It just kind of, you know, thinking about progressive thinking and such, like to what that didn't work. So what was the next step, you know? Right, exactly. How many? But I remember, I remember talking to you a little bit last year. It's kind of funny. I was looking on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or whatever, and looking for some hay, and I come across some alfalfa hay, pretty cheap. And uh, I was like, man, I guess I'll just buy this alfalfa hay. I can buy it for what grass hay costs. And I rock along over there. Heck, it wasn't 15 minutes from my house. And I pull in there. Man, some bucking bulls look like they live close to here. And guy walks out. Sure enough, sure it's your dad. And oh. <laughs> I think I think the first time I think the first time I went over there, I think I was there for an hour, hour and a half, and he was just telling me all kinds of stories. And and it's kind of neat. I mean, you guys have been in the bull business for a long time, and and between the family. I mean, you guys have raised bulls of the finals, bulls of the year. I mean, a, a lot of really, really great bulls have come from you guys. Yeah, you know, it's pretty. I'm extremely fortunate to to come up in that everything that he he started. You know, he started right out of high school raising raising bulls, and I think he was he was another one of those. He was really uh, ahead of his time in the way he was going out. Because back then, you know, in the he started in the early '70s. And there there were breeding programs out there, but he was one of those guys that, first of all, he knew everybody. He was in the business, so and he he's always been a talker, and he's always got stories, and he's he's a he's a salesman by just by nature. But he's the kind of guy that you know if, if he goes anywhere or, or watches NFR on TV or he's out there flanking or whatever, when he sees a good bull, he's going to study that bull, and he might try to go back and find old. You know, back then, old VCR tapes, try to find all his trips. And then, you know, uh, like when he got Outlaw uh, from Kish, you know, he was brother of Wolfman. And, you know, he drove all the way out there to California and get that bull, or he might go to Benny Butler's and pick up a bull. He was doing that before people were really focused so much on, on breeding bulls. There was guys out there doing it, but not that many. And, and he's one of those that was really always trying to find the next best thing. But then even when he had a really good bull, he he was always trying something different. And that, that outcrossing, I think, is what helped him so much. You know, like even the year that he live bred to, to Gunslinger, you know, me as a, a young guy at that time, I was thinking, man, at that time, Gunslinger was one of the coolest bulls I'd ever seen. And David let him breed to him one year. And he offered to breed into him next year, but he didn't do that. He thought, I want to wait and see how these cal- calves do to make sure that, 
I'm not messing up because at that time no nobody had bred the gunslinger. So he and then the next year he's trying to find another bull, another bull. You know he's always being progressive and finding something different, not just sticking with the same old thing every single year. So I think that's one thing that really got the program going good for us is always trying something new and trying something different. Yeah, there was. I mean, you think about bulls of the year and and finals bulls that that your dad was able to breed to back then being you know gunslinger and slim and maybe even before that i don't know the history as far as bucking wise but bar 59 even your dad live bred too right yeah he was another bull he was runner-up bull of the year behind pacific bell in the late 80s i mean he was he was like pacific bell he was really ranking i mean he was a mean son of a gun and uh you know he got you know he called benny and like say back then when those bulls got a little older you know, those contractors, they didn't really have anywhere to go with them. So a guy like like Dad would call him, and, I mean, they would they pretty much just give you those bulls. They just wanted a good place for that bull to go and kind of live out the rest of his life, and that's kind of what happened bar 59 there. Yeah. Seems like nowadays everyone, them guys are breeding bulls, and, and they keep them, them good bucking bulls for sires of their own program now. Right, exactly. Everybody's raising bulls now, so it's just – it's a – totally different world you know you can't call uh people and just get get breeding bulls for nothing like you could back then or they'd sell them to you really cheap one too but i guess we fast forward i mean heck you guys el presidente uh skyhawk cutter rug um pecos bill uh that bull that i mean you were kind of back and forth on facebook about cujo uh i mean he had a bunch of stats and the list just goes on the bulls that came from the hargis outfit yeah, you know, I appreciate that. And uh, like I say, just just real fortunate to get in and, and just get the bulls, the the right bulls to breed to. And, you know, of course, we, like anybody else, we had those years where you tried something out and it didn't work and you kind of had to start over and 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 go a different route. But it's it's been a really good ride for us and a lot of fun, too. Speaking speaking of, of El Presidente, I, I'm going to tell a story from my perspective, and it's probably going to jog your memory when I start talking about it. Uh, and and I I think you're gonna laugh and be able to chime in too. But a buddy of mine that that I that I was working with, um, and we're really good friends, Jesse Pullman. He said he was pretty young, uh, and he showed up somewhere and he had El Presidente in the draw. I I, I want to say it was maybe Enid or, or something like that. And it was uh, at uh, Hamilton, Texas. Hamilton. And yeah. he, he said, well, "Well, is this bull any good?" And the guy he asked was like, "Yeah, I mean." probably probably going to be one of the best bulls here he was like oh cool and at the time he was young just eager to ride bulls and then rode bulls good and uh, he said that he had his rope on him in in the alleys and they went to roll him and that sucker took off jumped at 90 into the arena and he said just the look on he he was totally dumbfounded what the hell just happened and he looked at you and was like, uh, like, am I going to get a re-ride or are you still going to buck him? You were like, you damn right we're still bucking <laughs> He was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and he said, he said, they sure enough, let him out the arena, loaded him back in. And he said, he said that sucker did buck and was 90-something to win first or second that weekend. Yeah, that was his three-year-old year. And, uh, yeah, those guys run him up. You know, he he didn't go up just one at a time. They kind of kind of gave him three or four spots. So when, and he was bad about jumping when he's a he's a young bull. So when he hit the end of that ninety, instead of turning left, he just went straight out in the arena. He's already roped up, had the flank, and he went to bucking <laughs> like crazy. 
and I was kind of flipping out too at first, like, oh crap, he's we're we're done, you know. We just run this old classic. He's out. He just wouldn't stop bucking. He just kept bucking, kept bucking, and finally the bull rope, you know, it's just kind of loose, so it went back to his flank. So he's got the bells of the bull rope back in the flank, flopping around. I mean, it, it to me at the time it looked like a nightmare. They finally had to rope him just to get him out. The bullfighters out there trying to get him out of a spin. The guy ropes him, has to drag him out of the arena. And he was towards the end, so we didn't get a break. They just run him right back in there. You know, he's breathing hard and everything else. And, yeah, that was I was a little younger, too, and I was full of piss and vinegar. So I said, you know, heck, yeah, we're going to buck him. And what's funny is I didn't remember it was Jesse until later, and I've become really good friends with Jesse. But he said something about that. I was like, oh, man, I didn't remember that was you. And then I went back and looked at the picture. And it, Jesse was so young that I barely remembered him. But, yeah, then he, he rolled in there, and, man, he had – probably the rankest trip of his entire life i think it was 91 and you know that year there was wolf dancer a lot of them really good bulls that pages have been winning so good with the four-year-olds and and he comes in there as a three and one it was just one of the most exciting uh events of my life when that happened i mean it, it was it was just so so much adrenaline and everything else and as my partner <laughs> Kenny Jack at the time, I'll never forget. You know, after we went over there and found it and we won, man, we were all just extremely excited. But it is pretty wild deal getting up to that point. Hey, I'll <laughs> tell you another real quick. At Guthrie one year, when they had that huge, uh, oh, it was like the Challenger Finals, it was also a classic. They had like 120 bulls there. They loaded President on the wrong side, and it was the same thing that he didn't have his flank on, but the kid went ahead and roped up. And before I saw him, I said, hey, that bull's on the wrong side. And he was in the very back hole. And so whoever's working back pins just opened that little gate. And he was already kind of leaned on it. So he comes backwards into the loading alley. And he's got the rope on. So this sucker starts bucking in that little 10 by 10 pin back there. And this is another day. I was like, holy crap, this is a nightmare. Like, he was kicking panels. I mean, he was getting trying to get a 90 in the back pins. It was, <laughs> I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. And he, same deal, bucking and bucking. We finally got him calmed down. He ran in those side. And I think he was, I think he was third that day at that deal. So it's it kind of one of them. Yeah, so he he needs to warm up every time. It's kind of like you know, in the way back in the old rodeo days, when David Bailey was loading bulls, he had hot shot them up and down the alley a few times and get them real riled up and then run them in the shoot. It's kind of the same deal with him. It sounds like the 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 wilder the start was, the better he was. <laughs> I guarantee you, man. <laughs> was he? I mean, was he kind of hard to handle and stuff, or was he just so amped up, ready to go? He he was hard to handle. He broke. He shattered my nose when he was a uh, probably a two year old. He hooked me and threw me up in the air, and I kind of turned in the air and hit a pot fence. And like, I mean, it destroyed my nose. I felt it, and it was just like jello up there. But and he was he was pretty amped up from the get go. I remember Paul Daniel. He probably remembers that. He was kind of young in the business too, and President used to jump out bad. His three year old year, we were down at Fort Worth, and. uh I told Paul, he was standing there, hey, will you get a neck rope on him? And it was that New Year's Eve event, and uh, so Paul got it. But he was turning around talking, wasn't really paying attention. And President reared up and jumped, and that that's out of his hands, and it caught him right in the jaw. I mean, knocked him 
smooth, silly right there on the back of the bucking chute. And then <laughs> <laughs> later, that's when I still go to the bars and everything. So I went out and I saw Paul up down the street and his <laughs> jaw was swollen up and he couldn't talk. <laughs> I thought, dang, man, you got to pay attention. It was kind of funny, man. Speaking, speaking, I, I, I want to say now, if this story didn't come from you, I'm going to sound like an idiot, but I could have swore it did. You guys you guys were supposed to go somewhere. You guys were going to go to a fraternity somewhere, and you were meeting at, like, Oklahoma City or something at the sale, at the stockyards, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, that was, a, you, I've, that was another wild. out or something down the road. Yeah, that was another wild, wild story. That's when Paul first got in, and when he first got in the business, he had classic bulls. And I really didn't know him all that good. I mean, I knew him from the events, but we were both going to Durango when they had the classic event up there the Creos put on. And he called, and he said, hey, we're both going up there. Why don't we just meet up and uh, throw all the bulls on the trailer, and we'll head up there. Hey, you know, that sounds like a good, good idea to me, save some fuel. So he was supposed to meet me at the Oklahoma City Stockyards at 9 o'clock one night we was going to drive all night well <laughs> paul he didn't get there i called him when i got there at nine he hadn't even left his house yet so he gets there about 11 something at night and this is one of those stories i could tell it for an hour I'm, but he shows up <laughs> and it's dark and everything and i'd already the guy that runs the cell barn he was already on my butt for unloading and you know without calling ahead of time so he was pissed off to start with so i go i say hey paul i'll go set the pins unload your trailer then you'll pull up and we'll load back on my trailer so i go walk over there and i'm he kind of had to go around the corner so i open the pen i'm waiting i'm waiting i'm waiting nothing's going i'm thinking what the heck's this guy doing i walk back around there <laughs> paul is being over he's holding his ribs he's like oh my god oh, he got me <laughs> so he had butterfly gates on his trailer at the time so he just he opened those trailer gates and threw the opposite side too hard so it went and bounced and swung back and so that bull just stepped off the trailer as a bull called Roxbury exit from uh uh Jimmy Crothers. He steps off and ducks around and just goes right out that little hole that was left because that butterfly gate didn't swing open all the way. And takes off in the parking lot. So Paul's on the other side so he takes off running <laughs> and they yeah, so it's pitch black out there, and they get to the front of the truck about the same time. And so Paul turns, and this bull turns, and just hits him as hard as he can. <laughs> Throws Paul up in the air. You know, he's thinking he broke ribs. I can't remember if he did or not. But so then the solid black bull, he's out. And we, oh man, it ended up being like a three-hour ordeal. We had the cops called on us. They were threatening. They literally were threatening to shoot the bull if he got on. As he was run up and down, you know, right there where the stockyards are, there's the steakhouse, there's all that stuff going on, there's people out and about, and he's run up and down these streets, and we're running, trying to chase him, and finally, we got a hold of a Lynn, and she knew somebody with a dart gun. We darted this dude, like, three in the morning. It was, it was a crazy ordeal, man. Oh, shoot. That, I, I remember uh, you telling me that story one day. Oh, man. That'd be yep. So you you guys what did you guys make the event get going in time or what? We did. We finally got going and, and made the event and, and got there. Like I say, the Creos put that on. We that was a I love that event. One of my favorite events. You can go float the river during the day and right there in downtown Durango had that arena right off Main Street. Just a really cool event. But did did Paul Buck Rockberry exit? 
Yeah, he bucked him. He was uh, he's still a little dazed because that we didn't have any of that uh, reversal to give him, so he just kind of had to come to on his own. So he he was still a little dazed still when he when he got there, but I'm sure I think he bucked the guy off and everything was all good. Well, since we're on on the Paul story, there's there's a story about Paul and and a bull he had that you leased from him that may be one of the best stories I've ever heard in my <laughs> lifetime. And if, uh, if you I'll were be, there and it happened to you, it wasn't the best story ever. But tell, it's a good story to tell, man. I mean, th- we we can go we can go as long as we want to. It's our podcast, so we, <laughs> we right. got to tell this story because got uh, to it, tell it. The, the end result is it makes it even funnier. <laughs> this is another one of those stories I could tell it for thirty minutes or an hour straight, and it would be it this is an awesome story. So. Well, this if, you don't, back. if you leave out some fine details, I'll make sure to chime in and tell you. <laughs> chime in and tell me. All right. So I was judging a lot when, when Black Betty was a two-year-old. And, man, I, I really like that cat because I hauled him all over the country, and he bucked every dang time. So I thought, man, I don't want to breed that little calf. And so the next year as a three-year-old, Paul had like a not even a three, 30-day window. He wasn't going to buck him. And so I talked to him into let me put him on some cows. And uh, so I go get him. I bring him back to the house. And at the time, I didn't have a fence going up to my house. So I just pulled in the driveway and kind of backed up. And so he had this wide open pasture to see. And the cows were out there in the distance. I could see them. It was always perfect. I'll kick him off the trailer, and he'll run right to them cows. Everything's good. And I was kind of in a hurry, so I was going to leave and go somewhere else. And so I left the front gate open. So I pulled around, back the trailer up. I open the gate, and this son of a gun jumps off the gate and takes a hard 90 back left and runs wide open straight at my front gate. And he, I was thinking, oh, my God, there's no way this happens. Because <laughs> the time, this bull was worth a lot of money. You know, he'd won no telling how much money. And, he, you know, there's a lot of people who's wanting to buy him for a lot of money. So he gets to the gate, and he hesitates just for a second. I'm thinking, oh, please, please just stay in the pasture. Heck no. He freaking gets on the county road. And when he hits his county road, I mean, this dude is gone. I jump on the four-wheeler. I'm flying down the road. And this dude hits a long, steady lope. And he's just going. And I'm on the, I got this four-wheeler maxed out, running wide open. I finally catch up to him. And most bulls that I've ever dealt with, they'll kind of take, They'll shoo a little bit from the four-wheeler. So I, get, I finally get up beside him, and I got this four-wheeler maxed out, and we're just about neck and neck. And so I get just slightly ahead of him, and I try to ease over into him, and it doesn't phase him at all. He just keeps going down the county road. And I'm still I'm trying to veer him off. I'm thinking, well, if I veer him off to the bar ditch, he'll kind of slow down. No, this <laughs> sucker never slows down. So I finally got right in front of him. Well, heck, he just darted off to the side and just kept going. And then my neighbor way down the road, he's got a, a, the oil field came in and put a, a leaks road down his whole pasture. So there's a big, huge uh, gravel entrance for And this bull takes off in there, and there's a cattle guard, but they had one of those, like the oil field, they just got a single piece of pipe for a gate across this cattle guard. And, you know, it's a pretty high. And then the cattle guard itself is eight foot across. And so he kind of slows down and kind of tries to 
that little big open area, they'll just slow down. I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to sit here and kind of let him settle down, and then here in a minute I'll try to push him towards the house. He trots up to this cattle guard and rears back and just jumps over the cattle guard, the gate, everything. And when he's in midair, it was like the movies. It was slow motion. I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, how – I'd like – you know, a million things run through your mind. Like, can I claim this on insurance? You know, how do I get 100000 to pay for this bull? Like, what am I going to do? He's fixing to break his leg. This sucker cleared everything. I swear he was five foot in the air. He cleared the whole entire cattle guard and hit. And it was like nothing happened. He just – shoom, he was gone again. It was like, Crap. <laughs> okay, so I, I ran up there, and there was a little side gate my neighbor had because, the, of course, the cattle guard was locked. I fly around. I do the same thing. I'm flying down this lease road, and I already know ahead of time, about every couple hundred yards, there's another uh, cattle guard. They never put any fences in, but there's a, there's a cattle guard. So I fly up ahead of him. I'm trying to cut him off, trying to cut him off. He ain't having it. He's just dead set on running wide open wherever he's going. He's it's funny because he's staying on the gravel road. Usually bulls they don't they don't want to run on gravel, but he's gone. And so first uh the, luckily the rest of the cattle guards don't have a, a gate across them. They're just open. But still it's a you know eight foot cattle guard. He gets first one shoot clears it like nothing. Never even slows up. So I guess the next thing I'm you know by this time he's jumped two cattle guards I'm thinking he's gonna get tired, he's gonna mess up he's going to cripple himself sooner or later so i get to, <laughs> i've got this i think it's a good idea i go flying <laughs> past him i get to the cattle guard i turn my four-wheeler sideways right in the middle of it and i get him from my front in front of my four-wheeler and i'm jumping up and down yelling waving my arms trying to stop him he does not stop like at the last split second i just drop to the ground and he jumps over me and my four-wheeler, and I was in front of it a little ways, and he clears the four-wheeler and the cattle guard both. He, by thinking back, he had to have jumped about 15 feet. At maybe, I mean, 12 at the minimum, but probably more than that. But I remember <laughs> I'd lay down, right, and I just kind of looking up. I see these hooves going over my head. <laughs> And he barely clipped my forward with his back feet, but he cleared that whole thing. I, oh, my gosh, I don't know how the heck he did it. So same thing, I take off. He ended up clearing three, no, four cattle guards that day. Four cattle guards within a matter of, like, five minutes. So, I mean, I'm heart attack level, you know. <laughs> and so I keep going down this lease road, and I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do to stop him. He just won't stop. And we were going, and I don't know how he saw it because he was running wide open. But my neighbor behind me, I mean, we're way back from behind me now. He had, for whatever reason, there's a little place in the fence that the whole entire fence was cut. And so we're running wide open, and it's like he knew it was there. He cuts into that deal, so we go off in the pasture, and he he's in this hole. There's a section my neighbor has. He's a deer hunter, so it's. It's wooded. It's thick. It's so we take off through this heat. This sucker's going through these woods, and it's so tight I can't even get my four-wheeler through. So I finally had to stop and back out. And the outside perimeter of the fence had just enough to get that 
spoiler around, and I find him. And he's just hanging out at, at the back corner. So I go, and I just thought, I just sit there for a minute. Like, I had to just relax and catch my breath. I'm amped <laughs> up, you know. And he's doing the same thing. He's just kind of looking at me. You're like, we're having a little stare down. And so, you guys are both thinking what your next move is. Exactly. Yeah, like, hey, I don't know what this dude's doing. I know, I already know he can jump anything in the country. And so I get a hold of my wife. And at the time, we didn't even have a horse, which is a terrible thing to not have in these predicaments. So I called her. I said, hey, throw some ropes in the back of the feed truck and, and meet me back here. And so we're just sitting there waiting for a little bit. And about this time, it starts raining. Of all the things, it's freaking raining. <laughs> so I'm sitting on the spoiler watching this pouring down rain. Carol shows up. And so all I've got is my four-wheeler. So I tie this rope on the back. And uh, I circle around by him, and uh, he takes off running. I had one of those just kind of uh, loops. He's about at the end and catches him. And he's he's dragging. It was just a 500 four-wheeler. It wasn't a big honking one, but it was big enough. But it wasn't doing anything with this guy. I was hooked on to him, and he's just dragging his four-wheeler. I'm, I'm not stopping him, and plus the rain, so now everything's getting muddy by this time because it's probably been raining about 30 minutes. So when I do try to pull him, my four-wheeler just spins. It ain't doing nothing. We're not making any progress, and he just bays up, and I, I can't pull him at all. And I tried, and I'd back up, and I'd try all different things. It wasn't working. So I finally I, <laughs> I yell at my darling sweet wife. I say, hey, come over here. I say, you're going to have to get on the four-wheeler. And then I'm going to get behind him, and I'll get him going. And I'd already, I'd already had her go ahead, and luckily we're still – this guy joined the backside of me, so we opened the gate. So if we did get him going that way, I thought, you know, if she can just get him. You there, Jerry? The four-wheeler. He hey, knows hey. he's got me. We lost you there for a minute, Jerry. You, you said uh, she if I could just – Oh, gotcha. All right. All right. So I step off the four-wheeler, and this dude sees that I'm vulnerable, and he comes running at me wide open. And I'm thinking, I, if I can just get to the end of where this rope hits, I'll be all right. So I'm running wide open, and thank goodness, he hits the end of the rope about the time that I get out of his way, yanks the four-wheeler around, and about the thing, you know, while this is happening, she gets on the four-wheeler. And he sees that I'm off the four-wheeler now. So he starts running wide open away from it. And I'm thinking, man, if he hits that rope again hard, it's going to flip this four-wheeler. So I yell at her. I was like, go. So she guns it. And here I am. Now I'm on foot. I've just got to sit back and just watch this happen. She's got it floored through the pasture, and he's running wide open. And the rope's in between them, but it's not tight. So it's sitting there just hitting the ground, just bouncing and flipping. And I'm thinking, man, he's going to veer right and just yank her and flip her off the spoiler. I'm just – and there's nothing I can do but sit here and watch. So I'm running behind him. I'm out of breath. <laughs> they finally get up to where my pasture is, and thank goodness he just stops instead of, you know, wiping her out. Well, they both stop, and he's kind of catching his breath again. He's, you know, we've had him around the rope around the neck for probably 15, 20 minutes by now. And of all things, now we've got him right to where my gate is. It starts hailing. And so I yell at her. I said, 
uh, getting the truck, luckily, weren't too far away from where she parked the truck. So she goes and gets in the truck. It starts hailing. It's pinging me in the ears. It's not feeling good at all. <laughs> I'm running up there to where the four-wheeler is, and this smart little sucker, as soon as he sees me going towards that four-wheeler, he does the same thing. He comes towards me. So I jump on the four-wheeler, and I fly through the gate. So I'm into my pasture now. He follows me around. <clears throat> He's just by that time. So he hits the end of this, this uh, rope, and it really, this time it does. It yanks the four-wheeler over and wads it up, and it gets all up into the barbed wire fence, and he's yanking it. So my four-wheeler's upside down. When he flipped it, he bent the handlebar straight down, and then he yanked it into the barbed wire fence, and it's raining, and it's hailing. And so I just, he was in my pasture, so I just reached up. I just cut the rope. So here he takes off with a rope around his neck now. I was like, well, we'll deal with that later. So I shut the gate. He's in my pasture. And I'll be dang if we went back around, and there was in about an hour. I fed my cows, and he, he got right back up with the cows. And he put that dang rope on his neck. So we get him up, and I was able to throw him off the cows, put him in the shoe, take that rope off, and everything is fine. So the bad part about it, about a week later, where we'd had him tied around the neck so long, all the hair right around his neck <laughs> completely out. And it didn't heal up. <laughs> the time I took him back to Paul's like, uh, hey man, let me tell you a little story about why he's had a ball <laughs> ring around his neck. So I told him that story and I was expecting he's gonna flip out. So he's got this high dollar bull at that time was winning everywhere he took him. He's like, Oh yeah, he's done that a couple times before. If he ever hits the county road, he's gone. I was like, Holy crap, man, thanks for telling me that. <laughs> he wasn't even mad about it. When you picked him up, he was just probably thinking, I'm probably never going to get this bull back if he gets out. <laughs> probably. Did, so, did you ever so get any he, calves out of him? I got one single calf, a bull calf. I ended up selling him back to Paul. That's all I got out of him. <laughs> and a great story. Oh, man. Fantastic story. I hope I remember that for the rest of my life. Oh, oh, that I'm that's freaking hilarious! All that time and you get one bull out of them. I got one single bull. All that heartache. I mean, I seriously thought I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> you're thinking you're going to have to explain to Paul how his bull broke his leg jumping over the four wheeler and the landing in the cattle guard. No joke, man. I mean, jumped the four wheeler and the cattle guard all at the same time. Unbelievable, man. That's I can fix that to this day. Lay down on the ground, I see hooves and black going over the top of me. So I guess Paul kept hauling the bull, and he just kept winning after this, like it was no big deal. Yeah, man, it never affected him. Right when he got him back, he just went right back to his old self. So it's kind of like the president's story. I guess the more amped up he is, the better he is. <laughs> Uh, so what about what about the the cow deal nowadays? Are you still running some cows and, and breeding bucking bulls, or, or just construction working? You know the construction business has gotten so busy, and uh, you know I've been doing the bull deal my whole entire life, and it's been been great. I've met so many good people, and we've had you know we've had fun with it. But I've got kids coming up now, so I kind of just decided to slow down a little bit. And I really enjoy judging, so I wanted to focus more on that. So I'm still, you know, running around 35 cows or so, but I've got a contract on them now. As soon as they're weaned, uh, they're sold and gone. So it's a lot less 
that stress. It's kind of nice to just sit back and relax for a while. I've been, I've had bulls for so long, and you know, I think uh, one one guy doing a one man show trying to, you know, it's a lot of times I'd have a hundred bulls sitting around the house, and it just gets to be a lot when you're trying to work a full time job on top of that. So I'm just kind of relaxing and enjoying it myself. And the kids too. Yeah, exactly. Kids get up, man. They want to play ball and everything else, and I'm having a, I'm having a blast just playing with them. What What about this uh, Ninja Warrior stuff? You building a course at your house, and I've seen on social media and stuff you guys go and go to some of them gyms and whatnot. Yeah, you know, people think I'm crazy. I've got this nice covered arena, and it's got it's full of stuff that you might see on that Ninja Warrior on TV for for Pace Man. He's <laughs> It's got all kind. Of, every, Denny he comes and bucks bulls every once in a while when it's raining, and you know we got you know tiles stuff. I got rope swings in the middle of my arena and everything else. We got to tie all that stuff out of the way just so we can buck bulls. But oh man, right now I wouldn't have it any other way. Heck yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I've got another story about bulls jumping out. I, I thought uh, well, you need to touch on real quick. Way back in the old days of when Dan had bought that set bulls that was. 231 wild thing and superstition and uh cadillac and all them really good good bulls that mac hauled uh we'd hauled them to a couple deals from mac he had some a little bull riding at uh weatherford it was funny because i'm pretty sure it was an open bull riding he said hey bring them down here i want to get a good look at them one more time and we go down there and it ended up being i mean ty murray uh scott mendez i mean all these top guys at that time was at this bull riding but uh, he bought most of those bulls, and Dad wanted to keep Wild Thing off of there because he was the best one. He wanted to breed some cows to him, and uh, Mac had offered ten thousand for him, which is, at that time, you know, you think that was back in the nineties. That that was a lot of money, especially for a bucking bull, man. And uh, Dad's like, "Well, I want to, we'll go ahead and breed some cows to him first, and and uh, then we'll you know we'll do something after that." And, he hauled him down to Elise Pastor and turned him out on cows, and that sucker just kind of like the Black Betty deal. He jumped out, went down the county road, and it took us a couple of days to get him back. And as soon as he got him back in the trailer, Dad called Mag said, okay, I'm done with the break deal. Uh, let's, let's make a deal. I want with 10000 So he ended up hauling, hauling to Mag about right after we got him caught. But. So I've got a question about an old bull here on your Facebook page. You kind of been posting some old old kind of back in the times pictures and stuff you posted a picture the other day of a big scary sucker uh you said was mean bad mean uh but his calves weren't weren't any count well what was that bull what's kind of the deal on him yeah well, dr j he was one of those bulls from back in the old late 80s early 90s that bradford ivy hall now i think benny butler had him one time took him to nfr and uh he's pretty good i think uh david Bailey jr is 88 or something at the finals on him uh really good big honky scary i mean he was big mean just really scary bull kind of at the house you couldn't even get anywhere close to him in the pens he would hook you he would take you i mean if he got up on top of six foot pants he'd still reach up and get you just a bad day like if he was putting on bull rounds rodeos whatever you, you'd want to have ten of them he's just cool he's mean he's he sold the rodeo. He was just a cool deal, but he had a lot of Brammer and Watusi in him, not really what normally bucks, you know, for, for the high percentages, and, and we bred to him, and, and he didn't work out good. You know, some of the calves are good, but across the board, they, they just 
they didn't have what he had. They looked like he did, but <laughs> they just didn't have have that that fire inside of him to make him as good as he was. For sure. I just I thought it was kind of interesting that that you posted that about about that bull. I thought I had to ask a little more detail. Yeah, he's a cool. And you have to say, you know, back in the old times, you know, dad would breed the bulls that were really good and or that had that lasted. You know, they bucked that bull till he's eighteen or or some odd years old, from what I understand, and uh, still good to the very last day. And we was trying to get that that heart in him. I mean, it's hard to breed the the heart of one like them old timers that them old campaigners that last till they're eighteen. It's hard to get that out of them breeding wise. I, another bull that we tried to do that with was the so bull taking care of business that that had killed lane you know that bull he was still bucking when he was you know 15 years old and he he had always bucked every single time and dad asked max if he had, uh could breed to him it's the same deal he said yeah he said and as a matter of fact it was at weatherford again he said uh so i got a i got a deal with weatherford just come up here and i'll meet you and you can have that bull well shoot he was he was either 15 or 16 at that time, so we just thought, you know, we'll go down there and pick him up. Heck no, Mac had put him in the jaw that night. Same deal, he just warms up, turned back out there, and some kid had him and bucked him off, you know. I'm sure that kid had had no clue in the world what bull that was. He already <laughs> killed Lane, but anyways, we got him back to the house. And he didn't breed as good as, as he wanted to, but kind of like a lot of them old, old brindles, you know, they're, they don't exactly breed good. But that bull was kind of a... A weird deal, and it's almost, I mean, it's almost surreal. By that time, he'd gotten older, and he was, he was gentle. I don't think he was ever an extremely mean bull, but uh, I remember at that time I was pretty young. We had him in a little, probably all thirty by thirty lot there. We was feeding him up, getting him ready, and he would come right up to the fence, and and so one day I just decided to feed him in the pen, and he just come right up to you, and I had that feet tub right between my feet. And fed him just sit there and kind of scratch on his neck a little bit. And he had huge horns, about the size of your arms. And they kind of wrap up around both legs. And, you know, you're looking down at this bull and you're thinking, you know, I'm sure he doesn't have any idea what he did, you know. And he's just kind of a gentle old bull now. It's just kind of a surreal feeling to look down and see the, the horns that had done that kind of, you know, on both sides of your legs. But. That is pretty wild. So, so he really wasn't mean then, or at that age anyway. At that age, he definitely was. You know, some of them old bulls like Panel Slim and that Dr. J bull, I mean, they were mean till the day they died uh, as far as we, we had them, you know. But that bull, he had, and I don't know that he was always extremely mean. He just kind of, it's one of those freak accidents. But when we had him at that later years in his life, 15, 16, whatever he was at that time, you know, he, he definitely wasn't mean at all. You could say so you could feed him and, and scratch on him or whatever. But. <clears throat> Man, Jerry, I I hate to start cutting her off. This may be one of the funner podcasts, you get them stories and stuff. But it's about time for the BSN's Buck One, Breed One, Butcher One. Uh, Thor, we've we've been all over the board on on story time with bulls and old bulls and newer bulls, and and uh, surely you've you've got some good ones picked out for for Jerry. Well, I, I've been paying attention to the stories, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, couldn't speaking multitask. But I'll come sorry, up with some. Sorry to, sorry to cut you off, but speaking of stories, hey, that's all right, man. That's Jerry, cool. He, he's a pretty good storyteller too. He, oh my goodness, <laughs> I appreciate it, man. 
I, I, probably nobody is to listen to this. Probably know one time me and you were coming back from uh, what was it, Albuquerque Pro Rodeo. Yeah. He was fought bulls, and I'd haul the bucking horses up there. And we were driving home. We both know we was driving all night, so we called. And I think we stayed on the phone for like six hours that night. It was the craziest <laughs> thing. I remember, I remember saying, "Hey, I'm gonna pull over and get fuel," but we never really quit talking. I was like, "Yeah, we might as well just quit talking. Go in, pay for our fuel, get back in the truck." Keep going. We never quit talking. I remember when we got done, looked down. It was five and a half hours or something. We talked consecutive, but uh, I remember. I remember when when we quit talking, we done made it home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, fucking bull stories all night long. Man, that was good times. I love it, man. Well, so what's the game? It's it's buck one game. I got three bulls to choose from. Yeah, so I'm sure you've listened to all of our podcasts, so we don't have to explain it to you, but we'll uh we'll I've got explain to show it. everything. <laughs> <laughs> we'll explain it to maybe some of our new listeners out there. Yeah, we'll give you three we'll give you three bulls and you we want to hear which one you'd buck, which one you'd breed to, and which one you'd butcher to uh butcher. Kind of yeah. as as Lostro put it, kind of a, a, a sick game of would you rather. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So let's go with um Let's go with seven 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 sling blade. Okay. Uh, how about seventy uh, S high stakes? High stakes. And, okay. And uh, coaches. Coaches. That's that's a good one right there. It's hard to pick. I mean, you got to butcher one. I mean, I don't know who in the right mind will butcher one of those, but I guess that's the game. See, breed two. I guess I'd have to go with high stakes because I mean, he, he looks like he's done some done some good with the breeding part. So that was the tough part. Which one do you buck? Uh, I guess I'd go ahead and buck Cochise because man, I watched that bull a lot of times, and man, he was just gosh, he was good, good so many times. So I had butchered a bull like Sling Blade, but he's a little older, so. Nowadays in time, he wouldn't probably be as good as he was back then, but I guess that's my choice. So you're going to butcher Sling Blade, you're going to buck uh, Coach East, and you're going to breed to high stakes. Yes, sir. I want to hear what Kyle has to say on this one. Man, I, it's, it's actually a pretty tough one for me because, now, I, I can't really give you any kind of a reason or, or anything, but Sling Blade, when, I mean, following the PBR and, and bucking bulls ever since I could remember, Sling Blade is 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 my all time favorite bucking bull. Why I don't know, but I've liked it him ever since I was a little kid, and uh, I just have always been a fan of that bull. And and do you know do you know where he came from or anything? And you got any cool stories about him, Kyle? Man, I, I yeah, I actually have a really cool story about about Sling Blade. And and there's a there's a gentleman. He's an old older fella. He's passed away now. Uh, I want to say Junior Allen is is who raised that bull, and and the guy didn't register anything, uh, but had like a bunch of plumber type cattle, um, and and raised a lot of really good bulls, um, and that that's where he come from, and and the Harringtons had either were hauling him or purchased him, but I had a cow one time, or actually I had bought some like two straws of sling blade I think from Harringtons, and uh, I didn't have but a couple cows at the time, and I was just so excited I had couple straws and my favorite bull ever and anyways i was like you know what i, I want to try and trade this 
straw semen for something else because I had two of them or something. I don't exactly remember the fine details. But anyways, a guy messaged me and he's like, hey, I've got, you know, some pretty good semen. I'd trade you for a straw of sling blade. Or he's like, heck, I've got this cow. Um, I'll, she's bred. I'll sell you this cow uh, or I'll trade you this cow straight across for one of those uh, straws of semen. And I was like, holy crap, no way. Uh, a bred cow, and I was young, still living at home. I was like, no way. A bred cow for one straw of semen? So so I did it. And when I got the cow, she was she was a little little thin. And I was like, yeah, well, there's no way this cow is bred. I just got a cold cow, you know. Sure enough, she she freaking had a calf. And I don't have that cow anymore, but, but I still have a daughter of hers. And I've got a yearling out of that daughter. It was just kind of a cool deal. I traded one straw of semen for, for a bred cow. Did you ever use the other one? No, I sold it probably to buy something else. I don't I don't know. I don't have any, any straws of them left. But So what are you gonna do? You gonna buck him or breed him? No, I'm honestly um I'm gonna I'm gonna kill him probably. Um and, and I'm gonna buck Cochise. I'm a little on the on I really like Cochise and and kinda understanding the game a little bit. He's big and strong. He just looks a little slow to me, but when they weigh that much and it's hard to be real snappy, I'd say. But they're always 90 on the bull, and, and he's been going for a long time. Uh, it's hard to uh, kill him. In high stakes, um, I'm going to breed to high stakes. And that being said, I mean, maybe one of the best classic bulls this year is out of high stakes. And, and a buddy of mine's bred to him a couple t- couple years, uh, and, and his calves all really buff. He's got some two-year-olds that are outstanding out of him. I, I really think that bull is a, a producer. Yeah, I think it's unanimous tonight. Yeah. It's a hard one for me, being that that was my favorite bull. But Well, it's, I figured I'd try to throw a curveball in on you. but yeah. yeah. Jerry, you got any cool stories about them bulls? Sometimes it's kind of a conversation starter, I'd say. A them three? Oh, not really. Not of them three, I don't. I'm like you. I, I remember watching Sling Blade so many times. He's such a cool bull to watch and fun on TV, but... I mean, like him and, and yeah, them bulls. I mean, he'd leap way in there. I remember Shivers was ninety something on him, and he probably he probably was three or four seconds before he ever turned. But I mean, that sucker was leaping in the air and kicking and bucking hard. Yeah, and he was mean too. But do you remember high stakes by chance as a as a bucking bull? Yeah, I do. I remember, he he bucked pretty good. I remember watching Valgron, some of them good guys get on him, you know. I mean, that bull really bucked, really had a lot of kick is what I liked about him was why I think, you know, he he's come on and been a good breeding bull. He's got so much kick and extension from what from the trips that I remember seeing him. But, and he's yeah. another one. He tried to buck hard every time. Yeah. Well, Jerry, I'd say uh, I know I enjoyed it. Thor, what do you think? Well, I mean, I'm just glad he finally made time for us. <laughs> Come on now. I appreciate yeah. you. I'm, I'm in the entertainment business now. As long as I can make people happy and smile, it's a good day. <laughs> entertainment <laughs> business, yeah. Get you a barn built and, and have a have a comedy act at the same time, huh? There you go, man. Well, guys, this has uh, been another episode of Buckingstock News Podcast powered by Two Bulls, and thanks for listening. Yeah, I'm good. Well, Jerry, thank you. Yeah, I have a good one. Yeah. See ya.